Hello and welcome to Mr. President from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The history of America is now the central feature of the history of the world, for the world has set its face hopefully toward our democracy. And all my fellow citizens, each one of you carries on his shoulders not only the burden of doing well for the sake of your own country, but the burden of doing well and of seeing that this nation does well for the sake of mankind. President, the man in the White House, the man chosen by his fellow citizens as our first citizen. We invite you now to become better acquainted with one of America's greatest men. These are transcribed stories of the men who have lived in the White House. Dramatic, exciting, but little-known events in their lives that you and I so rarely hear. True human stories of Mr. President. Mr. President drama will begin in just a moment. Perhaps you don't believe in the kind of ghosts that are supposed to haunt houses. But there are other kinds. There are ghosts of words once spoken, ideas once held, personalities once present. Take, for instance, a tour of our nation's capital. Here, you think, Lincoln once stood as he pondered the problems of a country at war. Even as you look, your fancy conjures up the picture of that tall, gaunt figure stooped in thought. There, you muse, sat Washington, Jefferson, Madison, and Monroe, discussing the future of the newborn nation. And as imagination takes hold, the powdered wigs and lace cuffs seem more real than reality itself. These are the memories, the all-pervasive ghosts of Washington. But for those of us who are unable to visit the Capitol, the same warm familiarity with the heroes of America's past is possible through the program, Mr. President, starring Edward Arnold. So listen now and see if you can name the president upon whom this episode is based. It hardly needs repeating, but Robert Burns' familiar line, the plans of mice and men gang off to glay applies to presidents and vice presidents just as well as to plain everyday people. My plans went awry while I was vice president, and it was demonstrated once again that important things can take place at the oddest times in the strangest settings. Actually, I suppose the best starting point for this tale is on a quiet afternoon in late summer in Washington. I was at home doing what vice presidents so often find they have to do, exactly nothing. But I was expecting a visitor, and therefore it was no surprise when my secretary opened the door. Excuse me, sir. Mr. Justice White is here. Oh, good. Thank you, David. How are you, young man? 
You look fit as a fiddle. Oh, thanks, Ed. I feel fine. Why shouldn't I? Lazy man's job, this one, you know. And you? Couldn't be better. Won't you sit down, please? Well, thank you. David, I guess that'll be all for now. Yes, Mr. Vice President. Hey, am I wrong, or do I detect the least little emphasis on the vice president in that young man's speech? <laughs> You're right, Ed. David has always hoped to be secretary to the president. He's a disappointed young man. Not necessarily. You were a pretty strong supporter in my namesake out in Kansas. And from what I hear out of California and Illinois, they rather like the idea of promoting you come the next convention. For a justice of the Supreme Court, you know your current politics, Ed. <laughs> a justice of the Supreme Court is one of the nine men who can afford to admit he knows his politics. <laughs> the nine of us at long last are out of politics. But you're not, my boy. Don't you believe it? Oh, no. Ed, you know as well as I do that I was given the vice presidential nomination for the sole purpose of consigning me to political oblivion. Well, we shall see. But you didn't invite me here merely to listen to you run down your own future. What's on your mind? Uh, frankly, Ed, I want some advice. Hmm. Legal advice? <laughs> In a way, yes. <laughs> I'm thinking of picking up where I left off years ago, studying law. There are some mighty good courses in the universities around Washington. And, and you, the number two man in the United States, want to take books under your arm and go back to school. Hmm, that's about it. What's wrong with the idea? Oh, nothing, nothing at all. Except if you wanted to commit political suicide, you couldn't find a better way. What the newspaper cartoonists would do with that picture, the vice president going back to school. Huh. I thought that would be your answer. Then why ask the question? As part of another thought I had. Go ahead. Many a good lawyer has read the law outside of school. A fellow named Lincoln was one. Yes, I seem to have heard of him, too. Well, anyway, the law has always intrigued me, and when they sent me home from Washington, I might make a career of it. So I had the idea of asking a certain justice friend of mine named Ed White... If he'd guide my reading since school is impossible. Of course he will. More, I'll make sure you really learn. Private lessons? Private question periods, at any rate. You let me ask you? Oh, no, no, I'll ask you. Each Saturday afternoon, I'll quiz you on the lesson of the week. And heaven help you if you haven't done your homework. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be good, teacher. I'll be good, I promise. <laughs> but you watch out, teacher. If you cram my head full of the right answers, I may be after your job one of these days. <laughs> <laughs> And furthermore, my friends, I expect that this part of my vacation here at the Adirondacks will be filled with the happiness a man finds in the midst of the beauty of nature. Thank you again for your welcome to all of us. My wife, my family, Mr. Loeb, and myself, here on your beautiful island in the midst of Lake Champlain. <laughs> all right, Edith? Of course, dear. I do hope, though, they'll leave you alone now. The more speeches, the less vacation. And since when has speech-making worked for me? <laughs> uh, yes, David? Message for you, sir. From the mainland. Important, David, or can it wait? You'd better read it yourself, sir. All right, give it here, please. Oh, no, good grief. Eat it. Here. Why? For... Heaven's sake, why? It's a good question, Edith. 
Why would anyone want to shoot the President of the United States? It's incredible. Any reply, sir? Yes. Why the Secretary of State that I'm on my way? Why the railroad at Burlington? I want a special train ready within two hours. See to it there's a fast boat for me in 20 minutes. Be ready yourself, David. Yes, sir. Of course. Edith, uh, come help me pack, please, my dear. I want to go with you. No, no, you can follow, my dear. I'll feel better if Alice and the boys are settled before you leave them. Here? Uh, well, no. Take them to, to Horace Lodge, where we stayed last summer. They can't get into too much mischief there, and you'll know they're safe. All right? Whatever you say, dear. Good. Now, let's find some clean shirts in the valise. Lake Champlain is a beautiful body of water, but just a trifle too wide for the vice president to be in the middle of when the president may be dying. got something. We've no place to stay in Buffalo. I took care of that, David. I wired Ansley Wilcox in the hotel. He'll put us up, I'm sure. Oh, yes, sir. Here we are, sir. Thank you. How do you feel, sir? Oh, I always feel well, David. I wish we knew. I wish we knew. We'll know soon enough. Quite a telegram. Typical. President shot, cover at once, route. No progress report, no prognosis, nothing. They may not have had anything to report. Perhaps not. Aliou must be taking this badly. He's very close to the president, you know. It's just possible, sir, that you are the president at this moment. I'd rather not think of that just now, David. It's a little strange in its way, I suppose. The possibility? No, no. That has existed all the while. It's just that, well, I've had my political differences with the president from time to time. But personally... Well, Edith said it. He's a kind man who really believes he has the welfare of the people at heart. And he's a human being, David. If, and I earnestly hope, the occasion never arises in this manner. But if I ever become president, I hope people won't forget that I am a human being. Too many cannot see the man for the office he holds. And that's not good, David. It's not good at all. Anything yet? Good news, I hope. Nothing new, just the same bulletin. The president is resting comfortably. Mm, four days now. And the doctors, as always, won't talk. I managed a word with the chief surgeon. He seems quite hopeful. Can anyone see the president? No visitors. He needs all his strength to battle the wound. And he's none too young. Mm, makes sense. Well, we can pray, I suppose. Incidentally, I have a little message for you. Oh, from whom? I saw Hay, Gage, and Root as I left the president's suite. War, state, and treasury. Quite an assemblage, Ansley. Rather. They um, asked me to suggest an idea to you. Couldn't they come here themselves? Certainly we've known them all long enough. If you'll pardon me, ma'am, they uh, find themselves in rather a delicate position. How so? If they call on you personally just now, it might look as if they were currying favor with the man who might become president. Well, of all the... I agree perfectly, Edith. Still, they're probably right. 
And uh, what's the message, Andrew? Uh, they suggest that since the doctor's reports are so encouraging, it might not be necessary for you... To remain in Buffalo? The president's at death, door, and they want my husband to go away. What possible reason? How can I walk out on a wounded man? They understand that. But they point out, too, that the whole country is terribly upset. They suggest that if you and your wife were to go back and join your youngsters, say, tomorrow, it would reassure the people. The country would return to some sort of normalcy. But the Hollis Lodge, that's way up in the hills, North Creek. It's a railhead. It's closer than the island you were on, then. Well, yes, I suppose it is. North Creek to Lake George, Lake George to Albany, from there, straight across, hmm? Still, it's strange, Hensley, very strange indeed. Strange, dear? Yes, it's strange to think that any action of mine could so affect the nation. It would. There's no question about it. I see what you're driving at. The newspapers would report Vice President resumes vacation, returns to the Adirondacks. The public would infer that if I can go back to the woods, the President is out of danger. Exactly. And you think this wise, Hensley? Yes, I do think so. All right, Ansley. I'll have David get space on the evening train. I think there's a connection we can make at Albany late tonight. Is that all right, my dear? Whatever you think. <laughs> I see what you mean about this being strange. We do a perfectly ordinary thing like taking a train, and the whole country will be reassured by it. It is a strange feeling. You're still quite close to being first lady, you know. I hope not. This way, I pray not, Ansley. In just a moment, we'll come back to Edward Arnold and Mr. President. It is said that no man is a hero to his contemporaries. And that has also been true of several of our presidents. Now, thanks to the Mr. President program, we see many of our chief executives in a clearer light. We understand something of their personal problems. President Grant, for instance, has taken a lot of criticism. The not-too-well-known facts explain his actions. Grover Cleveland has never been cited as a great national hero. But on at least one occasion, he showed unusual courage and didn't talk about it. Many books have been written about Lincoln, but you'll hear stories on Mr. President that have never before been dramatized. The Mr. President research staff is responsible for this material. Yes, it's these little-known stories and the distinguished performance of motion picture star Edward Arnold, who plays the principal role, that make the Mr. President program a highly listenable series. And now, back to Edward Arnold and Mr. President. Well, have you figured out who I was when all this happened? It really did, you know. Edith and I went to join the boys at North Creek, way up at Tahawas Lodge. Mount Tahawas is wild and uninhabited. The nearest connection to civilization is the railroad at North Creek. Otherwise, the lodge, the woods, and wild game. We had hunting licenses, of course. And the morning that we set out to climb the mountain, the boys and I carried hunting weapons as well as the lunch we all planned to eat as soon as we reached the summit. However, before reaching the top, the boys decided to do some exploring on their own. So Edith and I went on alone. 
It was raining in the valley, but once we passed the timber line, it stopped. And the view from the peak was something we shall never forget. Oh, it's... It's breathtaking. (laughs) Isn't it, my dear? It's not startling, perhaps, as the Rockies, but breathtaking nevertheless. And so quiet. So silent. No, not silent, Edith. Not quite silent. There's too much presence of... Of living things. <laughs> you, the rough and ready rapscallion of the newspapers, the cartoonist, the like, speaking like a poet. Oh, there's at least one poem and one novel in all of us, my dear. Oh, if we only had the time to write them. I hope I have the time these next few years. I thought you were going to study law with Justice White. Oh, I am. Ah, for a while, these past few days, it looked as if other things were in store for you. Are you sorry, Edith? Well... Yes, and no. How do you mean? Uh, I think you would have made quite a good president. Although I'm not too sure I'd like a president for a husband. Still, I'm glad you're not going to succeed to office by accident. I'm very fond of your chief, you know that. Well, now that he's out of danger, we have no further worry about the political part of it. Which makes me very glad for both of our sakes. Thank you, my dear. (laughs) Oh, imagine standing here on a mountaintop talking politics. Why not? The view is exactly like a life in politics. <laughs> Full of ups and downs. No, more than that, my dear, more than that. The peaks are all there, of course, but so are the hidden crevices and the dangers in the woods that cover these mountains. Not snakes. Yes, those too. And the clouds that fill the valleys today. If you climb high enough, you'll break out into the sunlight. <laughs> oh, my dear, you're incurable. Your public would never believe it, you, talking like that. An effect only you have on me, Edith. Oh, now you sound like a newlywed, dear. <laughs> oh, and why not? <laughs> With the family we've raised so far? No, I could be poetic, Edith. But not even you would believe me this time. So let's start after our family, shall we? Well, you know how the boys are. Let them loose in the woods with guns and they'll never be any place on time. In that case, uh, will Madame sit? Madame will sit. On a mountaintop with her husband and enjoy the idea that as long as her husband is vice president there will be time for law books at home and mountaintops at vacation time Please, I have a most important message. Coming. You have a message, you say? Is the vice president here? I'm afraid not. Where is he? Something gone wrong? He's needing Buffalo. The president? There's a telegram. Came into North Hicks, sir. The doctors have given up hope. Where is the vice president, sir? He's climbing the mountain. The telegram says to tell the vice president at once. Then we'll have to climb after him. It's that bad? The president may not last the night, sir. Then both of us can't go up after the vice president. There'll be things to do here. He took the north trail to the summit. I'll find him. You'll have to go on foot. Yes, sir. I know this country well. I live in North Creek myself. Has anyone down there ordered a train for the vice president? Oh, a telegram came into the station. The station master took it and, and told me to get up here with it. Nobody seemed to be thinking of anything after that. All right. You get up on the mountain and I'll drive down into North Creek. Tell the vice president when you find him that Mr. Loeb will be waiting for him in North Creek with a special train if an engine and railroad car can be made available. Now, hurry, man. Hurry. Hurry. <laughs> 
Want to build a house up here someday, Edith? It's a trifle inaccessible, don't you think? Mm, that's one of its chief beauties. Well, what about the grocery boy and the milkman? <laughs> Always pre- Did you hear that, Edith? Sounded like a dead branch breaking off somewhere. Well, more like a shot to me, a pistol shot. Well, you're the expert on such things in this family. Thank you, dear. Strange, though. Well, other people must be hunting besides the boys. There it is again. Hmm. No one hunts with a pistol. Well, how can you tell it's a pistol? It's so far away. Rifles cracked. That was a report. It's the length of the barrel that makes the difference. Well, I'm sure I'd never be able to tell. Again. Rather regular intervals. Almost like a signal. Well, why would anyone signal... I see. Yes. Will you feel easier if we start down? I'm afraid we'd better. There it is again. Well, I'm ready. Well, let's go. Now, careful now, Edith. It's harder climbing down than up. Yes, I know. Remember that header I took last year? Yes. Wait a minute. Here's a, here's a bad place. Oh. I think I'd better answer that. Just a moment, dear. Well, here we go. End of peace and quiet on the mountaintop. They heard you. Yes. Look out. You're more sure-footed than I am, dear. I'm sorry. I'm not thinking, I guess. Oh, I understand. Do you think he's really dying? It may not be that, but if they need the vice president badly enough to send a search party after him, something is going on. Edith, take my hand and follow closely. Put your feet where mine were. We'll make better time that way. This way, bear left, whoever you are. Stay where you are. I'll climb up to you. Oh, I'm glad to rest a moment. I'll let you a merry chase, as the saying goes. You have indeed. They or he couldn't be looking for someone else. We're the only ones on the trail today. The cloud, you mean? Yes. Well, it was well worth it at the top. It was. You are worried, dear. Of course. I, I I hope it's not what we both feel sure it is. Mr. Vice President? Yes. Ma'am? You are looking for us. I'm afraid so, sir. Is he gone already? He may be, sir. He was still alive, according to the telegram, not quick. No hope? No, sir. They want you in Buffalo at once. Very well. Mr. Loeb said he'd be in North Creek, sir, with a train. If one could be made up right away. Very good. Uh, Edith. Oh, you better go on, dear. No, we'll go together as far as our meeting place with the boys. They'll get you back to the lodge safely. Will you have to walk to North Creek? Will we? There'll be a buckboard waiting at the lodge, sir. Good. Well, we'd better get on, then. Not much of a road, is it? Spring's blood. Washed it out. Only a trail left. Oh, do you think you think my valise is still in the back? Yes, sir. I washed it down. That's a good idea. North Creek, sir. Around the next bend. Road's paved there, isn't it? Only around the station. Well, it's a road, at least, huh? Oh, take me directly to the station, will you? I'd have to, sir. Nothing else open this time of night. Uh, I must learn your trick sometime, seeing in the dark. You were born and raised hereabouts. Know the country pretty well. Uh, you'll know it blindfolded. <laughs> this is something I'll be telling my grandchildren about, sir. 
driving you down the mountain in the black night. My grandchildren, sure, if any. You suppose, sir, that is uh, what I mean, if it's happened already, you might say, sir, you became the president on a mountain at two in the morning? Yes, if it's happened. I sincerely hope not. Is that the station? Yes, sir. Only light in town this hour. Looks like Miss Lowe got a train together. I'll leave it to David. Oh, 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 oh. Will you put my valise aboard, please? Yes, sir. As soon as I get the roof off. Well, David, it was over at a quarter past two this morning, Mr. President. Occasionless, sad indeed. A fine man, a good president. He was every bit of both. I'm honored that you're here at this time, Ed. The least I could do. No time for law books, it seems. The plans of mice and men, Ed. Shall we proceed? Certainly. Mr. Wilcox, the Bible, please. Of course. Uh, gentlemen... If I may, before Justice White administers the oath, I'd like to say I hope to show the people that the administration of this government will not falter despite the terrible loss of our commander-in-chief in such a manner. I wish to say that it shall be my aim to continue absolutely unbroken the policy of our late president for the peace, prosperity, and honor of our beloved country. Well, you've probably figured out by now who the president was when all that happened. It really did happen, you know, and you'll have the answer in just a moment. Behind the pose assumed for cameras, presidents are human too. And you'll get a greater understanding of the men who have lived in our nation's White House when you hear Edward Arnold starring in Mr. President. The Mr. President program is based on little-known stories of the man America has known as president. You'll hear the intimate details that were bypassed in epic-making headlines. Mr. President is sometimes dramatic, sometimes tragic, but always sympathetic. It's a program that removes the pedestal from our famous leaders to reveal them as they were, human beings with great understanding beneath their political veneer. So join us when we present Mr. President with Edward Arnold playing the title role every Wednesday evening over most of these ABC stations. Now back to Edward Arnold and Mr. President. Well, Edith, our first night in the White House. Oh, and I, for one, will admit I'm tired. What a day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, the boys weren't faced one bit, were they? <laughs> 
Did you see the imp exploring all the closets? Oh, he would, he would. Probably scouting out all the places where he might hide his Christmas presents. So soon? Forewarned is forearmed, you know. <laughs> My dear, you suppose we could have used a little warning? Frightened, my dear? To be perfectly honest, here in the privacy of our own apartments, yes. Why? I am the youngest president the country's ever had, you know. Is that all? I guess so, Edith. (laughs) Frankly, I'm not worried about Senator Hannah's fears of having a madman in the White House. Would you like my opinion, dear? Of course. Then I think it's perfectly wonderful that Theodore Roosevelt... The one man the country is convinced fears nothing is actually a little frightened at becoming president of the United States. Be with us again next week, won't you, for another interesting story that happened in Washington a few years ago to Mr. President. Until then, goodbye. Mr. President, produced and directed by Ted Toll, was created by Robert G. Jennings and written by Ira Marion. Heard in the cast were Irene Tedrow as Edith Roosevelt, Herbert Butterfield as Ansley Wilcox, Polly Bear as David Loeb, and your narrator Ted DeCorsia as Justice White. Our story was based on incidents in the life of President Theodore Roosevelt. Be sure to listen again next week when the American Broadcasting Company and its affiliated stations bring you Edward Arnold with another interesting and factual story of Mr. President. This program came to you transcribed from Hollywood. This is ABC Radio Network.